Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. Did you know that sometimes the Bible tells us we need to get loud? It does. It says, praise him on the loud symbols. Praise him on the clashing symbols. We got to get us some symbols in this church. <laughs> uh, one passage of scripture says, clap your hands unto the Lord. All you people shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Come on. Are you, the, are you God's people? My family's been on shouting ground for about a week now. I want you to hear this. You can. Come up here. Come up here where everybody can see you. Come on. Come on. Uh, Friday, not this past Friday, but the last Friday, Susan uh, was having some pains in her back. And she went and she got a CT scan. And the CT scan came back and it showed that she had uh, on three, three different organs. She, they called it a tumor on one organ and then a mass on two other organs. So you can imagine uh, what that did. It just devastated us. Uh, immediately, uh, we sought the church and all of you. And it was like uh, all of you just strapped on your battle armor, and y'all went to battle for us starting that night. That Not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Um, and if you remember, I stood up in front of the church last Sunday. I was so broken, I couldn't even hardly hardly speak. Uh, that mon- This past Monday, she goes back in, and she has uh, follow-up MRIs. And have a big praise praise report. The results came back. The tumor on the one organ, the doctors concluded that they don't think it is a tumor, but they said she doesn't have anything to worry about. In fact, they think it's been there a long time. And and on the other two organs, what they were calling masses, they downgraded that to cysts is what they were calling. So, and, and, and this is really what I want to say. And, and God moves, and he's done this in so many of your lives, when God moves this way. Uh, and I think he does this intentionally. He does it to where we have a choice. And we can believe that this was the hand of God doing what he does uh, and believe that he miraculously intervened here. Or you have a choice to believe, oh, There was nothing really there to begin with. I know wholeheartedly, and I'll testify until the day I die, uh, because of the prayers of this church and this family and this body, God intervened in this situation. So thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, going to battle for me and my family. And this is just another example of, uh, of how God answers prayer. So thank you. Well, amen. I, I guess you know that our family, we've been rejoicing this week. Oh, I tell you, God, God is so good. I do believe what Kyle said. I believe uh, 
that God moves in, in the land where you have an option of doubt or faith. He always gives you the option. And you can choose it. But I tell you, uh, I believe every, everything that's good comes from God. And if it's not good, I believe, blame it on the devil. <laughs> Please open your Bibles to Luke, the 13th chapter. I'll read five verses this morning, one through five. Luke, the 13th chapter, verses one through five. And the title of the message this morning is The Greatest Tragedy. The Greatest Tragedy. I want to tell you that the Lord put this on my heart. Uh, I think this past Monday, I I had another message that I've been preparing for about three or four months, and I really wanted to preach it, but the Lord shut me down. And this is what I got to preach on, the greatest tragedy. And I think you'll understand why, because I I will call your attention to some things that are happening in the world. And uh, I don't want any of us to be deceived. Uh, I want to make sure that, that all of us know the truth about God's word and about who we are and how we relate to the Lord. So here it is. I'll, I'll read this, Luke 13, 1 through 5. It says, There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all, all likewise perish. Now, let's see what we can make of this. First of all, we have some people around Jesus. And they bring the subject up. They have a question for him. And so they want to talk to him about a tragedy that took place. A sad, sad, devastating tragedy. And, and we have very few details about this tra- tragedy, but I will tell you what we know will break your heart. It will break your heart. It, it appears that what happened was this. And that is that a group of Galileans, and people didn't travel alone in those days, they traveled in groups. And there's a lot of uh, uh, missing pieces and parts to this story, but this is what we know. A group of Galileans made the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem to the temple, perhaps on a feast day. And they brought their sacrifices with them. And in those days, as you know, they were still giving blood sacrifices. Can I just stop right here and tell you, I'm so thankful we don't have to offer blood sacrifices. 
He shed His blood. His royal blood. His sinless blood. On the cross for us. So that we wouldn't have to do that. The ultimate and final sacrifice was made. I love that old song, Love Grew Where the Blood Fell. Flowers of hope sprang up for men in misery. And I'm so glad His precious blood covers me. Aren't you glad that His blood covers you? Wow. But, but in that day, they were still offering blood sacrifices. So this group from Galilee gets to the temple and they come to the court where they're offering their blood sacrifice. And for some reason, we don't really know why, Pilate had soldiers waiting for them. And there was a massacre, a slaughter. And this massacre was gruesome. I I mean, it was unbelievable. Swords flashing, blood spurting, bodies uh, torn apart, blood everywhere, to the point that the blood of the sacrificial animals was mingled and mixed with the blood of those who came to worship. I don't think we can imagine a scene any worse. How tragic. I thought about this for a while, and the only thing I think we can compare to it is the, the thought that someone would walk into a house of worship, and this has happened too many times, would walk into a house of worship on a Sunday morning and start killing people who have assembled to Worship the Lord. Now again, I'm going to just stop right here just for a moment. I want to tell you that we have a security team. Yeah. I've had pastors tell me, oh, if you had faith, you wouldn't need a security team. I say in the Bible, God put watchmen on the wall to prepare the city when the enemy was coming in. We have a well-trained security force in this church. They train, they practice, they're behind the scenes. And their mission and their ministry in this church, with God's help, is to keep us safe. And we're going to keep them. And we're going to keep them. And when you walk by, most of the time you don't even know them, but you should, uh, you should thank them. Uh, they don't demand a lot of attention, but thank God for them. Well, think about someone coming into a church and killing people who got up that morning to worship. I decided I'd do some research on the matter, and I was going to look up. I think there's about uh, uh, 14 or 15 cases. There's more than that, but about 14 or 15 cases that were just huge uh, in America over the last 10 or 12 years. So the first one I remembered... uh, I decided to look up and read the details of the one that took place um, in Sutherland Springs, Texas. I remember 2017. Many of you remember this. It was horrific. Uh, I will spare you the details. This was uh, uh, the 11 o'clock worship service. 26 worshipers were killed. 20 others were wounded and injured. 
46 people rolled out of bed that morning and made the decision to go to the house of the Lord and worship the Lord. And little did they know that their own blood would stain the floor of the place where they worship. And I stand before you today to tell you that if I could talk face to face with the Lord Jesus back in 2017, I would have done exactly what they did. I would have gone to Jesus and I would say, tell me why. I need to hear from you the full and final authority in life, death, and eternity. Tell me, Jesus, how could this happen? Where where was God? So I get it. I, I understand why they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, what about these Galileans? They went to worship. They were massacred. They were, they were slaughtered. They didn't say it, but you can almost pick it up. Where was God? Where was God? Why didn't he do something? Why didn't he intervene? And, and, and you can tell by the answer that Jesus gave them that some of them must have thought, well, these Galileans must have been hiding something. There must have been something seriously wrong with them. They must have had some, some real serious, deep, secret sins in their life, or that wouldn't have happened to them. So this is what Jesus says. Jesus says to them, do you suppose, do you suppose that those Galileans that were slain were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? But I tell you, no. But except you repent, you will also likewise perish. And, and, and Jesus doesn't just stop there. They brought up the Galileans, but he throws something else into the equation. And he says, well, how about the 18 that died in Siloam when they were building a tower and the tower fell on them? We don't have a lot of details there, but they were building a tower. It must have been a huge edifice. It must have been something impressive. Maybe people were standing around watching it. And then the tower came crashing down and killed 18 people. So now Jesus is talking to them about this. He said, do you suppose that those 18 that died were worse sinners than everybody else in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, what can we make of this story? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. It becomes obvious in this story that we're all in the same boat. That we are all in the same boat. We are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all done that which was right in our own eyes. So I don't mean to be too much in your face this morning, but... We need to get rid of our self-righteousness. Because I got to tell you, that tragedy that happened in Tallahassee or that tragedy that's happening around the world and those people who are victims, listen, they are not worse sinners than everybody else. I, I think the idea is we're all so bad. 
I mean, I'm sorry. We're, 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 we're all so guilty that it just is not enough difference to make a difference. You hear what I'm saying? We are sinners. Jesus was saying this is not about who's the worst sinner. But what he says to them is this. Except you repent, you'll also likewise perish. You see, they're talking to Jesus. Picture this in your mind. See them, they're talking to Jesus. What about those Galileans? And Jesus is saying, what about you? It's amazing that Jesus wouldn't even talk to them about this. I don't want to talk to you about the tragedy of the Galileans. I want to talk to you about the tragedy of you not repenting and going after God and getting right with God. You, you understand this morning, I know you do. Many of you are Bible scholars and I commend you for that. But you do understand that repentance cannot be separated from the gospel. You can't do it. John the Baptist came on the scene and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came preaching saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near you. He was the kingdom of heaven. He was the gate. He he was the way in. The disciples preached, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, that you might be forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit. It all begins with repentance. And Jesus is saying to them, take your eyes off the Galileans. Take your eyes off the 18. Take your eyes off the tragedies. And start looking at your own heart. Because repentance is something you have to do. I I think I can sum this whole thing up in a real short statement. And that is if you could take all the tragedies on earth, all the tragedies that have ever taken place on planet earth, all the tragedies that are taking place right now, all the tragedies that will one day take place before the end of time, none of them would be as tragic as the tragedy of someone departing this life without having repented and turned to God. That's the greatest of all tragedies. Come on, tell me you know what I'm talking about. When you're talking to God about somebody else, does he join in the gossip? Or does he turn it and start talking to you? Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Does he tell you how bad they are? Or does he start dealing with your heart about what's going on with you? Listen up. The Lord has not given me much liberty to talk about this, but this I will share with you. If you and I could talk face to face with the Lord Jesus in human form as they did, and we were to ask him, Lord, make some sense of this terrorist attack by Hamas when they went in and slaughtered those, those innocent people, some of them babies. Lord, make some sense of that for us. 
Again, I'm talking face-to-face, human form, Jesus standing in front of us. I'm as convinced as I know how to be that Jesus wouldn't even talk to you about it. I'm certainly convinced that he would not teach you a lesson on eschatology and try to spell out the sequence of events that will take place toward the end time. What I am convinced of is Jesus would say, take your focus off that and put your focus on your own heart because if you don't repent, a greater tragedy will take place. Repentance. Repentance. The greatest tragedy of all is the failure to repent. The word repent means to turn. You understand what I'm doing about face. Turn away from your sin, turn to the Lord. Turn away from the world, turn to the Lord. Um, Turn away from the distracting things, turn to the Lord. That's what, uh, repentance. I've been going through an unusual time in my life. Over, Over the past five, six months, and I've done this many times, but boy, this one's deeper. I'm, I'm on a journey right now, and I'm going deeper with the Lord. And it is so beautiful. I'm so excited about what God's doing in me. Getting ready. I'm getting ready. I hope you are. I'm getting ready. I don't want one stone unturned. I, 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 I don't want anything left out. I'm like the psalmist when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, that's where I am right now. And I've had something happen to me about four or five times. In this five or six months. And it is shocking and amazing. The first time it happened, I was walking in my backyard. I was praying. And I got to tell you, you know what it, you know what it's like to be so close to the Lord that you just, you, you feel the cool breath of his presence on you. The chill bumps are there. I don't even call them chill bumps most of the time. I call them Holy Ghost bumps. Man, I was walking. I had Holy Ghost bumps. And I mean, I am walking in the presence of God. And then... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I still don't know where it came from. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, something pops into my brain and I remember something that happened years ago about something I did and something I said. And the moment it happened, I knew that I was guilty. I knew I was guilty. And it was like a dark cloud came over me. A heaviness, a shame, an embarrassment came over me. I, 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 I felt like the tentacles of the enemy were just wrapping me up, putting shackles on me. If you're here and you've ever felt this way, please listen to what I'm about to say. I, 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 I went from the, the glorious light of walking and praying and fellowshipping with the Lord and I stepped into a dark place and there it was. I felt like the prison door had slammed in my face. And this is what I did. I started crying out to the Lord. 
Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This happened years ago. I'm so sorry, God. Why was I so far away from you that I could have said something so hurtful? Why, Lord, would I have done such a thing? Lord, please. This has happened about five times with me. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. Lord, I want it under the blood. I want you to wash me and cleanse me through your blood. Your word says if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I stand on that verse right now. I want this thing resolved. I want it completely gone. It happened years ago, but now I'm, I'm dealing with it. I thought I'd sufficiently repented of that. To this moment, I don't know where it came from. Was it Satan? Because he is the accuser of the brethren. And I'll tell you, he'll accuse you. He'll take anything he can and put it in your face and he will accuse you. Or was it the Holy Spirit saying, if you want to go deeper with the Lord, we're going to have to clean up some things from your past. I don't know. But I know I started repenting. And I got to tell you, the first time it happened, I don't think it was over two minutes. I started repenting and pleading the blood. I started crying out to the Lord. I am nothing, Lord. I am guilty. I, I confess, I repent. And friend, the cloud leaves. The tentacles fall off. The shackles are gone. The prison door opens. And, and I'm telling you, it was like I was walking in the glory. I stepped into the darkness. I repented and I stepped out on the other side, right back in the glory of the Lord in about two minutes. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just know I'm holding on to the one who does. And, and the, the first time it was kind of unnerving. And now, n- now the second, third, fourth, something about five times, I just keep saying, Lord, dig up anything from the past you want. Lord, dig it up. I'm ready. I want shame, embarrassment. I want to repent of it. I want to get it out. And and I tell you, I really feel like that through that act of repentance, God is drawing me closer. So I tell you, when somebody says to me, well, I don't need a message on repentance because I I repented 30 years ago and asked Jesus to come into my heart. Let me tell you something. You are a saint above saints. Saints. If you don't need to continue repenting. Come on. I'm assuming that laughter was, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my, there's something about repentance that washes us. It cleanses us. And, and, And do you know why? Because repentance and grace go hand in hand. If you want grace, start repenting. Start turning. You repent and, and, and God will show up. There's a, there's a story that I love. D- does the name Frederick the Great mean anything to you? Those historians here. He was the president or the king of Prussia. And the story is told... It, that uh, he decided to go to Berlin and inspect a prison. And so he goes to Berlin 
And he's walking through this prison. And inmate after inmate after inmate. Some of you work in prison. You'll know what I'm talking about. They were saying, I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm innocent. I'm being mistreated. And it happened over and over and over again. And then he noticed one guy in his cell, and he was just sitting back. Just kind of had his head down like this. And Frederick the Great said this to him. He said, you... Here it is. I want you to see this. He says, you. He said, yes. Why are you here? Armed robbery, your majesty. Are you guilty? Yes, your majesty. I deserve my punishment. At this, Frederick summoned the warden, release this guilty wretch at once. He commanded, I will not have him in this prison where he will corrupt all of its innocent occupants. (laughs) I got to tell you, that's a beautiful picture right there. Stay in denial. Stay in rejection. Keep defending yourself. Keep trying to justify your words and your actions and you will stay in a prison of your own making. But say to God, I have no excuse. I'm a sinner. It's my fault. I messed up. Have mercy on me, Lord. Oh, forgive me. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus is saying... It's as clear as it can be. Jesus is saying that if you don't repent, something worse than what happened to the Galileans will happen to you. Something worse than what happened to the 18 that the tower fell on will happen to you. Something worse than that which happened to the Israeli people when Hamas terrorists invaded will happen to you. We don't like that, do we? Repentance is absolutely necessary. Let let me just say it this way, friends. Uh, Repentance and grace go together. When we really repent, the grace of God shows up to give us, minister to us, those things which we don't deserve, those blessings. When we truly repent, prison doors open, shackles fall When we truly get honest with God, God shows up. And he changes everything. It's absolutely beautiful. Friends, I'm going to tell you. I know we live in a sad, bad, negative, sinful, ungodly, cruel world. And I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to lift you up. It's going to get worse. But if you and I will keep turning to Jesus... If we will keep turning away from the world and away from our own way of thinking. Listen, our own minds, our own hearts will deceive us. Keep turning away from those things and keep turning to the Lord. Listen to me. He is able to keep you on the rock 
of salvation. He is able to keep you in the promises of God. He is able to keep you enjoying your life regardless of what's going on in the world. He is able to keep you away from fear. Don't give way to fear. Perfect love cast out fear. He is able to get you to a place in a mixed up, dark, confused, brutal world to get you to a place of perfect peace. That's what the Bible says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and he will keep you in perfect peace. He will guard your hearts and minds. Oh, friends, probably going to get worse. We walk in victory. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. And the church needs to be reminded... Now, this is the question that people have been presenting to me, and so I'm going to address it very briefly. Here it is. Pastor, what if, what if the Israel-Hamas thing is, according to Matthew, the 24th chapter, the beginning of sorrows? What if this is the beginning of the end? What if this is the first domino that will fall, that will create a chain reaction that will bring this world to the final moment. What if? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it is. And I'll take scripture and show you because there's a lot of other things that's got to happen first. In fact, Jesus said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of war. You know what he said? Don't be troubled. Wars and rumors of war shouldn't trouble you. But if it were to be the case, and if we knew that the end is close, four months, five months, a year, that this is the beginning of SARS, the beginning of the end, what should we do? Let me ask you a question. Should we pray more? Shouldn't we be doing that anyway? So what are we doing? Waiting to the very end? To really get serious about our prayer life? What should we do? Should we worship more? Should we, should we spend more time in true heartfelt worship of the Lord? Shouldn't we be doing that anyway? I'm just asking you. So, so what would you do? Would you finally get serious about that deep secret sin in your life that you've been trying to ignore and the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about it? Uh, would you go deep in repentance and get that thing covered? Get it under the blood and out of your life. How about this? Would you get serious about ministering the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to every member of your family? Shouldn't you be doing that anyway? Do you hear where I'm going with this? That person that you have a broken relationship, that family member, you haven't spoken to them in months, maybe a year, maybe years. Would you call them and do your best at reconciliation because you know There's not much time left. Just asking you. 
Because you see, we're to be doing all those things anyway. The fact is, what's happening in the Middle East changes nothing. The mandate of the church is spelled out in the Word of God. And we need to be doing what God's Word says. And like we heard last week in that sermon, we need to be seeking the Lord with our whole hearts. Going after God. I tell you what, I, I do see some people... Some church members, some Christians, who seem to be more focused on prophecy and what's going on in the Middle East than they are actually walking out and doing what God's Word says do. And you understand that if our focus is over there and we're not focused on us, our responsibility, the mandate that God has given us, then a greater tragedy is happening right here than what's happening over there. Oh. So church, the greatest tragedy, we don't want it to visit us. And we know how to, except you repent, that's it. Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. I close with this question. Have you repented? Are you still repenting? Is there something in your life that right now, this morning, needs to be under the blood? That you need to get on your knees at this altar and you need to get it right with God? Oh, friends, we don't want the world to conquer us. The blood of Jesus Christ, that's the answer. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.